0: Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris
1: Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hello and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast episode 22. I'm Beverly Ann and I'm joined as always by the lovely Chris Tuck. Hi everyone. And for anybody who's joining us for the first time, this is 30 minutes, or about, <laughs> <laughs> of authentic talk, and also coming from a professional perspective, and today's topic, we're going to be talking about endings and grief. So what are your thoughts, Chris, when we were talking about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, endings, there, there's a lot in that, isn't there? Um Endings for me in particular, uh, right in my life right now is um, child going off to university. So there's an ending of you feeling useful, your role in their life, um, but also excitement and just anxious about them moving on to their next course their next pathway in life so there's a lot going on there and also a little bit of grief there as well because I remember when my other child went off to university and I dropped him off and I came home I walked into his room and I burst into tears and then I'm like why he's happy he's doing something he wants to do and here you are like a train wreck <laughs> <laughs> i know no I'm not the only one so there's a a, a A sad ending for me, but a happy beginning for them.
1: Absolutely, and I remember when my youngest went off to university, and and it really is like, where's my role? Yeah, you know. But as somebody um, said to me about parenting not so long ago, that parenting is even from you know the time they're a toddler is a sequence of letting go. Yeah. and that's different ways, but it's still an ending. It's an ending of how it has been, and it's a change. And that's the same as when we lose somebody. So at the moment, there's a lot of grief around us because of what's happening in in our own country. Yeah. um, It's somebody's passed away. And when we have a death around us, there's lots of different reasons for that death. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't and in that there's lots of different stages with grief through losing someone to death but also in what you're saying it's still a grief yeah and from my perspective I will never know how it is to grieve the death of a parent yeah either my dad or my mum now my dad yeah. is my dad is dead but it wasn't a, a, um, a grief then it was a relief because I'd already done my grieving for not having the parents. Yes. And my mum is still alive. Now, you never know what's going to happen, but I, I grieve the fact that I don't have a mum in my
0: life. Yeah, yeah. So it's... For me, Beverly, it's sort of similar. Um, my dad, my mum left when I was age seven, and you can go back to your story in a minute because I know there's a linkage there. Um, So there was a a grief there, not knowing would I ever see her again. And I didn't actually see her for another three years, four years before she got custody. Um, But then when my dad was taken away into prison, there was grief there. Um, Then I last saw my dad when I was 11 years old and I never got to see him again until I was in my 40s. So again, endings and grief. Um, But then obviously losing my mum who died in 2016 and not seeing her for a year because of a police case that we were going through. Um, And then the circumstances around her death and not being able to go and say my goodbyes and not being able to go to her funeral. There's another lot of (laughs) grief and emotion all around that as well. And you will often find that in a survivor's life, there's so much complexity around different relationships and what is the right thing to do, what is not the right thing to do. Are you going to upset other other people within your family, like your siblings, for example, who might not have um the same kind of feeling that you do? Um, what as I said, what's right, what's wrong, and it's very complicated. So i will just let you go back to your story.
1: Yeah, and
0: that's what,
1: you're, what you've just highlighted there shows the complexity of it. So, like, for instance, we think we know. I think I've, I've dealt with all my emotions. I don't know how I'm going to feel, let's be honest, mm-hmm. until my mum dies, even though she's not in my life. She's still yes. alive, and I don't see her. So I grieve the, and, and do grieve the fact that I don't have that mother figure. Yes. But whatever we're grieving we go through a cycle and mm-hmm. what's important for people to hear is you will all deal with grief yeah and start that cycle at a different place yes yeah. so for instance shock now mm-hmm. when you hear of somebody's death doesn't matter how much you're prepared for it that's the finality when when charlie goes off to university there's a finality. Yeah. When a job ends, you know, regardless of whether you wanted it or not, there's a finality. So there is a shock. Now, some people will deal with that at that time. And I'm very good at doing this. I'm very good at dealing with things. But it's later on those
0: feelings come out. What about you, Chris? Um, I don't know. I think... I've always buried, I've always just got on. That's my coping mechanism, as you've all heard me say many times before, carry on, be strong, it'll all come out in the wash, it'll all sort itself out. And then at the age of 52, I'm in therapy, guess what, facing up to my emotions. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing.
1: So we don't know, and as we've said before, we will still have an automatic response to it, a reaction. Yeah. Okay. So my reaction at that time is to do the practical things that need to be done in any ending. Yeah. It's only afterwards I need time to reflect and allow that emotion out. Yeah. So, and, and it comes in
0: different ways. And at the moment, as we know, this podcast will be aired a few weeks after um, the royal uh death that we've all all um, seen and experienced in the UK and you can see can't you across all social media that some people are royalist they love the queen and basically they've all fallen apart then there's other people on the other end of the spectrum that were like well you know she's 96 she had a good innings she had a good life um what's all the hoo-ha about and then there's people in between yeah. of that and we're not really here to discuss how we feel about all of that today no. but we just want to acknowledge that we all do deal with grief differently different people mean different things to us depending on what our experiences of them are what our perception of them is um, and also the people that they may be associated with What have they done or not? And what does that mean to you? So that's all I'm going to say about that. But I also do respect everybody as an individual and how they want to respond to that. That's how they respond. And I'm not here to judge anyone. And that's where we're seeing some of the cycles of different people
1: at different times. Okay. Also with endings, it's amazing what else it brings up as a trigger because sometimes if it's too hard to grieve at that time about something that's happened we push forward and it may be somebody else's death especially when it's a figurehead that will actually trigger grief
0: that hasn't is unprocessed from previous occasions I think that's what's happening to me to be honest yeah. I, I think that as a figurehead, what I've explained to you is, is where I am, but it's brought about all of this unresolved stuff about my caregiver. Yeah. And but, that's where my reflections and my thoughts are. Yeah, because it becomes a mirror. Yeah. And it's a subconscious
1: mirror. Even when, it, like, not consciously, it's a subconscious mirror. Yeah. And suddenly your body is saying, I'm ready now this is safe grief, the grief before wasn't so safe. So I protected you, I I feel safer because the emotional connection is different. So that's what is important about respecting each other's way of acknowledging it because it doesn't mean to say that anybody is acknowledged it in any less than somebody else. And in a way, I, that's what I admire about other cultures, where they literally have, you know, if you're going to wail and cry out loud and, and, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And what they're doing is releasing their emotions, particularly if it's a service, a funeral, wake, whatever you want to call it, you know, that's the time that they use to grieve and and comfort each other. I want to also go through some of the other emotional. I was going to say, can you talk
0: to, through us about the cycle of? Um, yeah. The cycle of grief in in its theory. In its theory, yeah, absolutely. So when you look this up, and
1: when we do our training, you know, some people say there's four parts. Some people say there's five. Some people say there's eight. So I've picked out five at the moment. <laughs> okay. I thought I'd cover it off. Yeah. Anger. Now, anger is a big one. Anger, I didn't see that person. I should have. I could have. You know, why did they even leave me? Abandonment. The end of of job. You know, if you're being made redundant. Ending of that, that, that role. Anger that you haven't got more time with someone. Yeah even being angry some stage, you know, of what, what could have been with your children before they go off to be adults. Yeah. You know, these are all real emotions and they don't pop up straight away. For some people they do, but not everyone.
0: Yeah. It's like, you're, you're not ready. I'm not ready. So, you, you you know, like, how dare you? How, how, what? Ah, yeah. I'm not like, ready. yeah. <laughs> But particularly if there's been an
1: accident a traumatic accident and yeah. you survived there could be anger there how could yeah, you leave that's...
0: me you've left yeah. me alone
1: I've got to cope with it, everything that's...
0: Yeah. or why is it that person and not me or why is it that person and not that person because I yeah. know like in our world being a survivor it's almost like well that person's died at a young age and they were a good egg why them yeah. and yet there he is or she is over there quite a good age and they've got ill health but they're not going they're not popping their clogs and they've yeah. done you untold harm why are they still here yeah so there's all of that kind of anger going on for people as well absolutely
1: and and we're going to talk about this because we don't like to hide away with, you know, yeah. de-
0: death by suicide the anger yes. there the frustration there Yeah, why didn't they speak up? Why didn't they ask for help? Why didn't I notice it? Yes, yes. And why we're talking about this is because it's
1: okay. And sometimes it comes out at the beginning, sometimes later. Now, this is the next one I'm going to talk about is something that people really struggle with, relief.
0: Mm, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. people might be shocked to hear this but when a certain person does die I literally am going to have a party I can't wait I, wa- yeah. I need my justice and that will be my justice when they leave this world yeah and that sounds brutal but
1: but that's your opinion on that one and that's okay and yeah. it's okay to have that but when some people feel relief yeah. and that relief comes for different reasons you know when Going to university when our children go to university, as much as there's grief there, there's always also relief. Well, they've taken that next step, and I'm ready for that separation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so even though I'll be dropping off and coming home, bawling my eyes out, I'm ready. Yeah, but that. But- this is a realistic
1: thing that's why we have this conversation yeah but also if someone's passing away you know I've been mm-hmm. with loved ones and they're in pain and they're ready to go yeah and actually the one thing I hope for them is that they go in a peaceful way
0: yeah yeah for and, them.
1: and with less pain as possible absolutely so relief is part of the cycle
0: at times so what well, some people feel guilty about feeling relieved and, and actually um, saying that, do you think? Yes. And that's where the guilt and denial and the relief all, all come in. All come in. Right. Do you know what I mean? And this
1: is the thing. No, there is no clear. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm in that section and I'm in this section. Sometimes there is, especially when you get angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there are parts where they overlap. Yeah. Because what happens sometimes if you feel relief, you can not quite often then feel guilty for feeling relieved.
0: Yeah. 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 And often you have no place to go to discuss how you're feeling. And yeah, so it might be really weighing up on your on your shoulders, so to speak. It might be a a heavy burden because you can't actually express how you are feeling and often how you're feeling is going to be a multitude of things.
1: Especially in an abuse situation because think yeah. of the family dynamics yeah we we see things from the perspective that we're standing at so you know if if this is what you've experienced with that person but somebody else hasn't because a great great way we know with abusers the perpetrator yeah. they divide and treat people differently yeah. and that's yeah. how that's all part of the grooming
0: And if someone's seen that person from the perspective of, oh, what a wonderful human being they were! They did this, they did that, they, you know, that and the other. Um, Got huge respect for them. I love them. How can anyone hate them? How can anyone say anything against them? And that's what you're seeing a bit of now being played out across social media. Um, But then, from a perspective of, and I'm not referring to our figurehead as done anything wrong in this particular. Circumstance, what I'm saying now, mm. but I'm just talking about say say um I don't know well, I accept stepdad for example. Some people will be saying, "What a wonderful person," but me, I'll be having that party, and somebody else will be going, "Why do you why do you think and feel like that?" Well, ask me, and I'll tell you. Yeah. And I remember when Jimmy Savile died.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now look at so everybody. Yeah, look at what happened there, and at the time, I won't lie, the yeah. anger yes the anger yeah. that i felt because of what the you know the, the notoriety he was getting in the coverage about his death and people curing seven thousand people at one time that's how much it was cons- and i i felt like wow what's going on here but it was it, if i said something to some people they were like no 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 look at what he did you know for charity etc and now look what's come out which we knew some of that, but it was, you
0: were unable to talk about it. And this is the thing, you know, when someone's in a position of power and they've done all of that grooming to people around them, that where people think they're, as we just said, they're amazing, they're, they're this, that, the other, yet you've got a, a, a group of people, many, many people in, in the uh, Savoy inc- incident, where they said, well, no, he abused me, he did this to me, he did that. Mm. Um, Other people find it really hard to to get their head around it. Yet when those um, cohort of victims survivors in their numbers came forward, they had to be believed because they were all different circumstances, all different situations, all different ages across decades of, Mm -hmm. you know, years that this went on for. And um, it was only when he was dead that people could speak up because of his power, because of his money, it silenced all of those peoples. So they couldn't speak up when he was alive. Some did, but they found that their lives were then made very, very difficult. Um, so it's often victims and survivors cannot speak up when it is someone in a position of power. And, and I don't mean in the media, it could be someone in a position of power in their community, in their household, you know yeah Yeah. exactly so whatever that position of power is it could be your caregiver and you can't speak up because they've created this false image of themselves yeah yeah? and the person that they've abused or people that they've abused they just can't speak up until that person's died or someone else has come forwards and then they can back up someone else's lived experience so it's so difficult but and it is it's that grief isn't it it's the, the anger it's the the two other things that you've already covered what else is in that cycle Bev well um denial we
1: <laughs> I've oh, just spoken about that <laughs> exactly and you brought that denial but even denial about the change what do you mean by that so yes it's going on but I'm not getting involved that, right. you know, denial. Um, so yes, I'll do the practical thing. So if it's someone that's very emotive or if the emotions are coming up, yeah, no, that's okay, we're just, I, I'm gonna do. So often the denial comes in people
0: who seem to be coping extremely well. What, they, they're actually, they they know on a cognitive level, this person's died, but they don't actually want to register that yes. maybe and we're talking about a normal important person in in their life they just don't want to recognize that actually that person's actually gone yeah
1: or yeah. that there's been a chat or that there, there's going to be a change now if you know that's everything's going to be okay now that i don't want to get that mixed up with positive thinking right because emotions we have to be able to acknowledge i do a thing called the best and worst when we're sitting around the table because we have to be able to acknowledge that there is a time that it, it will hurt and there is a time to allow it out but when we deny how we feel so like when we push forward and we deny how we feel or even after the service so yet yeah, you've um you've grieved you've had the service and you carry on living as if nothing else has changed. Right. So
0: So what would happen in that circumstance?
1: Well, what happens is it gets pushed down. The grieving gets pushed down. Like me. (laughs) Yeah. So it's denial, denial of your emotions, denial of how you feel, denial of the impact of the change. It's just pushing through. And that is, that can come at different times. Um, And often, sometimes a way of coping, I remember losing someone once when I was very young and the way I coped with it, my denial was pretending, there's a lovely poem, pretend that I'm in the other room. And it's often read out and I did. I, 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 I coped as if like they were in the other room. And it was only later on, a few years later, that I think someone else had died and it triggered me. And then, again, in that respect, I was very young then. The other one is fear. What's going to happen now?
0: Especially if you've probably not been involved in your life and that person's actually run your life, maybe. So the older generation where there was clear clear um, lines of what you did so the man went out to work the lady stayed at home looked after the kids maybe not got involved in paying the bills and stuff I know quite a lot of the older generation now that I work with in my community classes and stuff for example well he used to do all of that and now he's gone I, I don't know what to do yeah
1: yeah who am I fear you know when your youngest goes off to university you know the last one goes off and not even at university because not everybody does yeah no. but they they move out or they they move yeah. away etc that Ooh. emptiness syndrome yeah and it's really real it's like well what now where's yeah. my
0: role yeah I, I've seen that quite a lot in in people who are especially when the children are have left home and moved out to start their own families, it's like, well, all oh, right, it's me and my partner's left, whoever your partner is, um, oh, what now, yeah. what next? Yeah, so there's
1: that fear and it, and it's important, you know, if you've been made redundant, what's going to happen in the future? And, you know, if we go back to what's happening now, as you mentioned, you know, um, we've got huge um, passing of the Queen, yeah. And there is going to be change. And yeah. wherever you're sitting, and as we said, we're not going to get involved in that. Wherever Whatever your view is, where you are standing or sitting, is there will be a change. And for some people, that's really fearful right now. For I others,
0: admit, the fear will come another time. It's making me feel very anxious. Yeah. And again, I can't go into my reasons why at the moment, but I am extremely anxious about the future and what it looks like. So and and that's where
1: that's very normal, yeah. In, you know, in all endings, because right. it's change.
0: Yeah, and I I've done a few videos just for my fitness business over the last week, and I was speaking about change, um, not from this perspective that we're we're uh, talking about it, but you know, change is for some people very scary and very feared but it's also for me where there are new opportunities potentially it's where you are outside of your comfort zone maybe and not many people like being out of their comfort zone because it's it's scary Mm -hmm. for the reasons we've already discussed but also for me the biggest thing that I can take from all of this is being comfortable with being uncomfortable because throughout our whole life, we haven't had really control over what's happened to us. And um, the only thing that we've learned really is to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable because we've had to just uh, grow, develop, um, go with the the changes um, because we've had no say in it and we've had no control over it and is that a good thing a bad thing I don't know I think it's made me particularly more resilient and more um, able to adapt what about you well this is where I always talk
1: about um, being able to celebrate being a survivor and that's really right. important especially in peer-to-peer groups yeah and, and and i remember once someone challenged me on that and <laughs> and i said well why not because yeah. there are some aspects that look at the sheer resilience of a young person that's going through abuse has to have to get through yeah you know yeah. It, it's quite remarkable well it's not quite it's bloody remarkable you know and how adaptable you have to be you know and your agility you're 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 reading every nuance of a person you're trying to see what their moods are you know to keep safe
0: yeah and just to survive isn't it absolutely surviving yeah
1: absolutely so to acknowledge that I feel is really really important because once Mm. we've done that we're starting to learn we're starting to learn about self-care and ab- about self-awareness, and it always comes back to this. Um, and also, once we're in a, the place to start to acknowledge that, then it enables us often to find our way around the grief wheel, and then go forward with new beginnings, as in doing that hard work, look, being able to look back at the and, and grieve for what we've lost, because that, in healing, we actually start to see the grief that we've not been we've not been able to do about the childhood that actually we really would have wanted, or like the childhood that we're trying to give our own children.
0: Yeah, my um, uncle, so my my mum's sister's husband. Um, that part of the family have always been good to us that it's been very sporadic, the the connection. But whenever we've had a connection, it's been a good connection. And that uncle was the one that bought me the coat when I didn't have one and when I was very cold. And that was such a big act of kindness for me because there was nothing else going on at that time. And that uncle um, is, is about to pass away um and I don't know whether I should be speaking about this actually um but I just wanted to tell my cousin that please could she relay that message to my uncle thank you a cuddle um for for that act of kindness because it means so much to me and because I'm going through therapy at the moment it, it is these things that are meaningful to me um and she said to me probably about six weeks ago um, you can phone up because he wasn't passing away then he he was very unwell um, and speak to him yourself but I couldn't do it no Um, and part of that is nothing to do with him but me was I couldn't be at my mum's passing I couldn't be at her funeral And it was almost, as you said earlier, was holding a mirror up that my uncle's got all of his family around him. He's extremely kind. He's loved. And I just, even though I can't have any of this and I couldn't have any of this, I wanted that. That's what I wanted. So I'm almost at this moment in time grieving the normal and I can't have it.
1: Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely does make sense. It really does. It makes sense to me. You know, somebody else might have different thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. this is why we have these discussions, because yeah. unless we get this out in the open, we don't understand it. I also have relatives that have passed away now but there was one person so I was brought up in children's home and in my first children's home we had auntie Anne who was amazing and she sort of came into my life again a bit later and the last time I saw her was when I was 16 so a few years ago I I wanted to get back in touch with her and I finally found her and she died Mm. uh, four months before I found her which was devastating because I never got to say to her thank you and yeah. the one the last thing she said to me when she was 16 was I was only young when um I was looking after you she was in her 20s she was running a children's home back in wow. <laughs> back in the 70s yeah
0: um
1: well late 60s early 70s and um she said I only I only did what I did through my heart I didn't actually have the ability like she didn't she didn't she wasn't trained she was
0: doing really yeah but But I wanted to go back
1: and say thank you thank you um so what I was able to do was do it through her sister and say look you know I just want to say thank you to you as a family and this is what she meant to me so there's all different ways of being able to do that and I think when we're at that stage in anything when we're ending a relationship even if you've made that choice to end a relationship there is grief yeah of course there is grief for what yeah. it wasn't you yeah. know anger yeah. anger yeah. you you didn't do what i asked you to do or you 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 know we're coming to the end of this or you know for lots of different reasons yeah yeah
0: yeah uh, i mean i know a lot of victims and survivors will really resonate with this video because they understand the complexity of maybe wanting to have that normal, healthy relationship with a caregiver and they just haven't been able to have it. They've not been able to have um but they're gonna be grieving the fact that they wanted normal and it just wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. For whatever reason. And I think it's all right, isn't it, to grieve wanting normal and not being able able to have it. Absolutely. And what we're seeing at the moment
1: is someone of high status. Yeah. that everybody can connect with in a different way. Can I just yeah, fit that probably, yeah. in a different way? But that's where that can be highly emotive and yeah. bring up, you know. All uh, sorts. <laughs> yeah, attachment, you know, loss of attachment. Again, there's another yeah. emotive. I want to also go on to the physical aspect of this because we're talking about the emotional, but there is a physical
0: as well. Yeah, the broken heart syndrome you told me earlier. Yeah, which is which is true. You know, when we talk about people, um, especially
1: if someone's been together for a long time and they say that the second person died not long afterwards of a broken heart, that Mm -hmm. is actual fact. Now, don't quote me. On how I'm saying it. Okay. You mean okay. they
0: penalise you for saying something wrong? Yeah. You go ahead. So I've had to write this down. I'm <laughs> glad you're saying it. it, not me. Right. <laughs> so subo,
1: So subo, Cardiomyopathy. Right. Yeah. Is actually when we have extreme emotional or physical stress. So okay. if there's extreme emotion... What happens is that the the left ventricle of your heart gets enlarged and often, and it weakens the heart because there isn't enough blood flowing through and it weakens the heart. And the name Subo, actually comes from a Japanese word for um, uh, an octopus pot, the pot that they use to catch the octopuses in the sea. And it's because the shape of your heart looks like that octopus pop right and and that is what happens or can happen when somebody dies of a broken heart so there is a physicality with with any stress and we've spoken about this connection before so this is where you know in stress in grief some people will find that their digestive system shuts down yeah they're unable to eat yeah. Other people may find that they comfort eat. They're eating their emotions. Yeah. So again, there now becomes a physical impact of grief and endings.
0: So what are we saying about this? What we're really trying to show you is that if you have lost a loved one or not in the way that you wanted to lose a loved one or you've got this almost um, grieving for what you didn't have, um, and it's affecting your life, it's affecting your mental health, it's affecting your physical health, then that's time to go and get help and support, isn't it? Yeah, and and support comes in different
1: ways because one of the things we haven't talked about as well is chronic fatigue. Because suddenly there's, you know, that's shutting off because, you know, to survive, um, we talk about um, fight or flight, but sometimes freeze. Flop. Yes. That flop comes from chronic fatigue. We're being shut down. We're so exhausted that yeah. it's chronic fatigue. So it's looking for support that works for you now. Yes. Sometimes it may be in a peer-to-peer group. So if it's bereavement, is yeah. there a peer-to-peer group for bereavement or the loss of someone through death?
0: Mm-hmm. If it's
1: a, if and again, there's all different layers there because you know, if you're a parent, you've lost a child, you know horrendous horrendous but do you want to be with other people in the same place because I I personally think that's really important because we can empathize with someone but until we've had that lived experience we don't know we don't understand no no. also death by suicide you know Mm -hmm. if you're bereaving you know find a group that is for other um people whether it be parents friends siblings um of um when someone's died by suicide because again that has additional grieving towards it um if you've lost your job you know and you've made, been made redundant there are all different types of support also nationally we've spoken about samaritans 116 mm-hmm. 123 24 7 yep always um what about yourself chris what What are your thoughts and support?
0: Yeah, fine as you said, I think it's finding uh, people that have walked in your shoes that maybe understand the complexities. So for me, going to a group, obviously um, from the victim and survivor perspective would be more beneficial for me than going to a different group, for example, um, and also speaking to someone one-to-one that might understand what I've gone through would would be more beneficial um and you know sometimes you have to do a bit of you know suck and see um basically <laughs> attend well, attend something if it works great and if it doesn't go and find something else don't think that there's nothing out there for you because it's just not true
1: absolutely so for me and I'm going to be very honest here yeah. I struggled with group environments at first, peer to peer, because I wasn't ready.
0: No. I
1: needed I needed one-to-one at first yes. so that I, I could find my voice. Yeah. Yeah. Then when I was ready and I went to peer to peer, I was like, why didn't I come here before? <laughs> yeah.
0: But there's also <laughs> but other wasn't people ready. that won't do one to one because they can't, but at- they're happy in a group because they can be a bit more anonymous.
1: Absolutely absolutely and and again two different ways of looking at it yeah I I didn't want didn't want to be seen you know yeah Yeah. not even thinking that anybody else in the room is the same position yeah yeah so I'm very aware of timings here
0: as always
1: well we we can we've got about another four minutes so I'll just bring it bring it so that we don't overrun yeah I'm always very aware that people are listening into us so again this subject is really tricky when we're talking about grief. Endings, grief. And you started to touch on it. But once we're able to come through the cycle at whatever stage is right for us,
0: mm-hmm. there's something
1: called new beginnings. Right. Sounds now a bit that, more
0: positive.
1: It is. But that's where the fear often comes, grows, yeah. Especially when you've lost someone through death. Or in a relationship, even it can happen when a relationship and you're moving forward. Yes. Without them. It's like, whoa, even in healing, when you start to, I remember this myself, you start, you know, you start your recovery, your healing, whatever you want is the right word for yourself. And you get to a certain place and you look back and you think, I've come that far. What if I go back again? Mm. You know, almost having
0: a little relapse, get triggered and it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that.
1: I remember feeling like I was I'd gone on on to a, a tall pillar, but there wasn't enough foundations. Right. Whereas now, yeah, I did come down again. But then I was like, okay, I've learned now to trust myself. And it comes
0: with trusting yourself and your own boundaries and doing what's right for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some people's grief last year's, some yes. people's grief is short-term um, and that's fine. It's absolutely fine. No one should tell you to get over it. <sighs> no one should tell you that, you know, are you still going on about that? Are you still saying what, you know, it grief looks like what it looks like to you. Um, But I have to caveat that with if you've only got a certain amount of people that you're going to with your grief and they can no longer help and support you for their own reasons, try not to feel rejected, but maybe move on to something else that will give you the help and support that you need. Because everyone is human and every person can only take so much depending on what they're going through. So I think... There does need to be um, a conversation about, you know, I'm really sorry you're finding it really difficult still, maybe, if it's mm. gone on for six months, 12 months, 18 months. But if that person can no longer help and support you, it's because they've got own, their own stuff going on. And please don't feel rejected about that, but find another source of help and support. Just, and I think it's very thing, valid
1: absolutely yeah, exactly. it's very valid and some people said about getting over grief you don't necessarily get over it what no. happens it's yeah. there but it's what you find around it right so I think me personally I think it's a wonderful time to be able to celebrate someone's life yeah. once yeah. you've got you know yeah even if they can't be there in person is there a picture you know like you know when everyone's sitting around the table you know there's no reason why you can't have a fabulous picture there of that person around the table yeah. there could be a spot I know that when I pass away I'd love I love the benches I've got the, yes. Whenever I read benches I'm always looking out and thinking yeah this is what I want I want yeah. had to have a bench when I passed away so that anyone yeah I just it's it's, I just think it's a beautiful way and it's about respecting different people some people like having a headstone and that's okay too but being able to move forward finding ways to um to move forward that's right for you some people like to put their energy into studying something different Some people suddenly think, well, you know what? We suddenly realise our own mortality. I'm going to go off and do the things that I've been putting off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100 percent. Some people do find that, don't they? That they, they get that new lease of life and they're like, oh, my God, I love that person. But actually, I was held back. I was. A bit stifled or I was really so content with them now they're gone I want to do all of these other things and, you and can I just see them going off and doing stuff and
1: I know someone very dear to me and when he lost his wife and daughter you know very close to it wow. he literally did that he suddenly thought well you know what when I was younger I used to love dancing I haven't yes. danced in years and he yeah. went to a dance class at one time and then ended up traveling the world and 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 doing all these different things. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't so, because he didn't love his no, wife. No, not. It was completely the opposite. That was his way. And there are some people that when they lose their loved one, they, within like, I don't know, a couple of months, they're in another relationship mm-hmm. and they get married again because yeah. that's what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. And then there's other people, like my nan, that once my granddad died when she was really, like, she was young, all mm-hmm. the kids were young, she never went with another person ever yeah. again because her brain was, that's my one true love and now he's yeah. gone. That's it for me. Yeah.
1: yeah, You know? So that's where, so when you have it and your children are gone, that's the time. The scary bit is like, oh, what now? Where's my role? Well, actually, what do I want? Because yeah. your role changes. Instead yeah. of looking after everybody else, it yes. really does give you that chance. Oh, okay. Well, I can do what I want. And I remember once, um, when my children weren't with me, going to the cinema on a Saturday afternoon as an adult and thinking... How dare you! (laughs) (laughs) And was it a Disney film you was going to watch? No, it was meant to be really happy, but it didn't end up being happy. It was a tearful one, but it was good. So we are going to say goodbye
0: now. Okay, all right. Any last thoughts for you, Chris? I think what we've spoken about today is that grief is individual, it's personal, and no one's got a right to tell you how to grieve, how long to grieve for, and, um, yeah, get help and support. Yeah. What about you?
1: I'm very much the same. I think it's about respecting each other. Yeah. um, Accepting each other. Accepting where they are. But also thinking about what's right for you. Yeah, yeah. What is it that you need or want to do? How do you want to deal with this? Because and no one's got the all the answers, have they? Absolutely not, because what's right for you isn't necessarily right for me and vice versa.
0: Yeah, and I think when you've got complicated um, families because of what's gone on, <laughs> as we know, it is just accepting that that person feels like that about the person. You can feel completely different for different reasons, And it's about accepting that and acknowledging that and um, not being upset about it because that person's got a right to feel how they do. You have a right to feel how you do.
1: Absolutely. And I think that finishes it brilliantly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
1: thank you very much once again. As we say, if there's anything you want to say, please leave a comment here underneath the post. But if you want to contact us with any questions, any thoughts about the future... Um, Whether you're listening to us on our podcast platform or watching us on YouTube is uh, both. We're really pleased to know that you're here and we are going to wave goodbye.
0: Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us. See you in the next one, Beverly. Bye bye.